Welcome to the Joe Says Things podcast. On this episode, we continue our conversation with my dear friend, Philip Ezevedo. A small warning, on the day that we recorded this podcast, we were having a bit of a mic issue. We didn't discover it until later, so this will be the last episode where you have to deal with it. Do enjoy. You know what is another thing that I know you're just itching to talk about? And we really got to delve deep into yeah, it. Delve really into got it. to Highlander. Ha! <laughs> so, Last night. <laughs> we were hanging out with uh, my other guest from the other day, David. Um, we're all obviously very close friends. Yeah, we um, were, But we were hanging out, and David and I, we, um, we were talking about Highlander at one point. This is a, a, a couple months back. Cause it's for like a, was it for a Christmas party or Thanksgiving party? It was... When we went over to AJ's place. Oh, that was Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's Friendsgiving. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of blended together. But anyway, so obviously months back. And when we, on our way over there, we were talking about Highlander and we were talking about, as nerdy people do, like, you know, would it be interesting to have like a a D&D game kind of based around that idea. And as we were talking about it, we also realized neither of us have ever seen the movie Highlander. (laughs) Ever. We just understand the concept of like, oh, okay, this was like a bunch of like powerful dudes and they like kill each other and there are fewer and fewer of them and there can only be one. That's like the deal at the end. So we decided finally last night to watch Highlander. And I don't think it's going to be like a great movie. I think it's going to be like, a, you know, solid. I thought it had just been missed by the Oscars, really. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it won the Oscar for for the, the most, most Oscars. Oscars. <laughs> 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 the cherry on top of the board. Yes, That's yes, right. Yes. And for the twelve, for and after for winning your eleventh Oscar, your twelfth Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the more controversial new Oscar. <laughs> um, but anyways, so we decided to watch this movie. And how would you describe it, Philip? Hmm. Okay. Uh, this movie, I knew nothing about it. David and Joseph had been talking about it, and I was just like, sure. And the little thumbnail looked like a little period piece, and it opens with just black screen, red writing, a voiceover by Sean Connery, who is not playing Scottish. He's playing a Spaniard. It's true. Sean Connery is playing a Spaniard. And the last, the character's last name is Ramirez. Ramirez. Yeah, and one character like that, <laughs> there's a character, a scene where one character, he's a villain character, busts through a door, and he looks at Sean Connery, he's like, Ramirez. <laughs> that moment, the visual of that, it was just a, an encapsulation of so many bad things in one moment. Uh-huh. And uh, Sean Connery's costume is... Uh, flamboyant. Flamboyant, to say the least. Anyway, the opening of this movie, it literally goes on for six minutes after a voiceover from Sean Connery of just a paragraph of text, and then black screen, red writing, with a Queen song playing in the background. Which is crazy. Yeah, they got Queen to do music for this movie. Yeah, it's 1985. like... 1985. That was one of the things that was so crazy about it, was as you watch this movie, for the caliber of movie that you get... Like, this was an expensive movie. As you watch it, you can tell it's like... The Sweeping sp- shots. Yeah, the special effects of the era were like the... Abs- they It looked expensive. Like, mm-hmm. they really dropped a lot on this. And it was a mess. It was awful. It was so, <laughs> so bad. It looks like there were two directors that had shot two different movies and then said, let's put our ideas together. And I'll be honest, the bad director had all the money. <laughs> the bad director had all the money he and had, all the clout. He had all yeah. of it. Like, this scene makes sense. 
I don't want it to. <laughs> <laughs> what if we were, uh, for a method of editing, to make it so no scene ever flowed into another? As if we take clips from similar but different movies and slam them together. What do you think? Will that make a, a profound and brilliant film? Like, no crack addict. It won't. Why is he the director? We call him crack addict. Uh, his dad owns the studio. Um, it does explain how he keeps getting all that crack. <laughs> the way it was edited, I looked up later on Wikipedia that they actually had like 80 minutes on the cutting room floor. Really? Yeah. I remember you mentioning that when we were watching it. We're just like, it feels like there's so much here that was left. Yes. Like, for example, there's a scene where in every action movie, there's the scene where the bad guy steals someone that the protagonist loves, whether it be his lover, his dad, his dog. That's John Wick, good stuff. That's oh, good. But he doesn't steal him. No. Anyway, moving on. Uh, John but... Wick is the good version of this movie. And I'll go into further, remind me of that statement. I'll go into further detail later. John Wick is so good. Um, but where the bad guy steals the romantic interest, and there's a scene where he's chasing her, and he, it doesn't even show him catching up to her. It just shows him, like, in the same general vicinity that she's in. And then, literally, the next scene is them in a car, driving yeah. down the streets of New York. And it's like, how did this happen? How did he get her here? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? And then okay. it's like, he's just, like, driving wildly. or like, yes. Or there's the scene where he throws an old man out of his car and the old man just like hangs out like the so they're in this car they watch this crazy event that happens i won't go into the details it involves a machine gun sword stabbing and and a lot of prostitutes um <laughs> but anyways so he like uses this big sword cut it's open the top of this uh, this car throws this old man out and the gets into the car and again this old man at any point the car didn't break down there. Mm-mm. I think the car was still running. Yes. And the, he just waits there. And he's like, ah, hey, ah. And he grabs him, throws him out. And it, it's played by, I think, Clancy Brown. Yes. Um, the, and Clancy Brown gets in the car. And he like looks at the old woman. Mom. And just so weird. Everything about it's bad. Uh-huh. Um, Clancy Brown's a very good actor. He wasn't then. <laughs> and just so bad. And he starts driving off. And so the the old woman is, of course, freaking out. And as they're driving along. And then she starts to, like, get kind of up out of the car a little bit. Like, screaming for help. But then the immediate scene where she's, again, just standing in the car. The scene right afterwards is what I assume is a stunt double. <laughs> on top of the front of the car. Mm-hmm, on the windshield. And it, Philip's exact words were, this escalated so quickly. <laughs> Like, like, how did, why was that her answer for getting out? The door's right there. Like, I'm not saying it's easy to jump out of a moving vehicle, but normally it's better to jump out from the side instead of in front. Um, yeah, and then you, along with, you know, some more research that I did on this film, it always says, you know, it has become a cult hit over the years. It didn't make money initially. And it's like, I guess, do directors go into making a movie going, you know what? It'll be a cult hit. Like, I feel like people will, like, find this over the years and be like, hmm, I like this garbage. I thought it was interesting. I think there are some people who do that. Um, but in general, and it's kind of the idea, I never actually got a chance to see it, uh, but I've seen several interviews regarding it. But the movie The Disaster Artist. And, oh. like, the core concept of that film is that the no one really goes out, or very few people really go out to make a bad movie. And this is a guy who, when he made this movie, he spent 
$6 million to make the movie. And a huge portion of this money was actually dedicated to um, the putting the movie out in theaters for long enough so it would qualify for the Oscars. That's a real thing the guy did. He honestly, yeah, and it's like, and he said the. I'm trying to remember what the tagline was at the bottom originally. It was the um, the a streetcar named Desire level drama. Wow. That was like the tagline. And then after all these people watch it and just are laughing at him, he didn't get rid of that. He added onto it something along the lines of and black comedy humor. Oh. But he didn't get rid of the streetcar named Desire thing. This guy genuinely thought this was powerful drama. Mm-hmm. He was just such an like he just truly didn't didn't understand how to do it. Yeah. So I think a lot of people go in thinking like I'm going to make this amazing movie, and either they lack the skill set or someone who is just or somewhere along the line it gets lost. Maybe from like a movie like that one where from the very beginning nothing about it works and it never really works. Because that movie works as a comedy. And if a movie is funny and it's not done so intentionally, as nice as the guy's intentions are, that's still a bad movie. Yeah. You are still... You can say it's like, no, no, we love you. It's like, no, no, you love laughing at the clown. Yes. And you can say all day long, it's like, no, no, we love... I think it's Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. But the fact is, no, you're not laughing with him. You're laughing at him. When he's trying to make you cry... And the tears are from laughter. You're laughing at him. Yeah, but he's crying, laughing all the way to the bank. And that's the thing. It didn't. It was a huge loss for him then. But now it's like. But now it actually at this point has made its money back. And yeah. he's I this think they like. They still do midnight showings of the room. They do. The one of the things. Another one thing they mentioned in the interviews was that uh, this is a movie that is shown uh, roughly every month um, in every major city wow. in the. I don't really think it's quite the world, but in the country. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's. Pretty, I mean, it has a huge following. People love the film. That's great. Yeah. But but anyways, that all goes back to the testament of people try to make a great movie, and you know the person who's writing the checks for Highlander was like, this is going to be amazing. And maybe was it... I mean, okay, the acting wasn't very good either. When um, you watch it, there are some genuinely amazing shots. Of there really are. Escapes. There's amazing camera work. Do you think it's like the cinematographer was the like really good? really good. The and cinematography then, <laughs> like, was actually like... Okay, the acting in this is poop, but at least I can make this grass look hell. Cinematographer good. Alfonso Cuarón. <laughs> <laughs> this was my first project. <laughs> I needed the money, and this, uh, even for garbage, I will not be garbage. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really like him. Guy walked away with three Oscars this year. He, he did. He added it to his gravity mantle. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, but there were some genuinely great shots in it, and. No great acting whatsoever. No. Terrible directing choices. A terrible editor. And you know what? I take that back. I'm not going to blame the editor because the director tells the editor what to do. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's like that. It, it is one of those things where you wonder because editors have a lot of power, but you wonder where in the mix that was. Because, mm-hmm. like, the, this got approved by somebody. It did. Like, the, it is. <laughs> and I mean, when you have a film that from its. Like, from the beginnings of it, and I'm sure a lot of people would counter this with saying it's like, well, it's a, a movie it's a movie from its time. There are a lot of amazing movies from that time. Yes. Um, but anyway, it's like when you have a film where you hire a French actor who doesn't have a particularly strong ability to do accent work, when there are a lot of amazing actors from a lot of different places who can do great accent work, he, he can't sound like a Scotsman. So you have a French... So you literally have the scene where you have two men on a boat. One is French, pretending to be Scottish. Badly. The other one is Scottish, pretending to be Spanish. Badly. And you just listen to them talk. Like, I will give uh, Sean Connery some credit. 
He doesn't try to be Spanish. Not at all. And if anyone has the argument of, well, he's actually 2,000 years old, and the Spain that he came from, they probably would have sounded different. (laughs) They wouldn't have sounded Scottish. (laughs) Uh, I always love it when people speak Spanish, a little Scottish bro. You know what I mean? Uh, Not going to attempt it, but yes. I was was thinking, how do you do that? And it's like, it's beyond any power I could ever ever wield. Uh, You know, if you could change your face... Would you? And that's all I know from Brave. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just trying to put that, but like on like. I love El Polo Loco. <laughs> <laughs> ding ding ding! We have a winner. That's yes. what I did. Was a very. I think I'm. I think that was just a clip from the film. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it would have worked, and I would have been like, makes sense. Honestly, with In everything this else, world. with everything else that was going on. <laughs> It would have. You know, though, uh, a movie where someone who completely was not Spanish whatsoever, but actually worked, and I really enjoy, is Gladiator, because Russell oh. Crowe was technically the Spaniard. Yeah. With his amazing just... They refer to him as that, but I don't think he's actually supposed to be Spanish, is he? Oh, is he? But they refer to oh, him as that so when long. he starts being like uh, as, a, as a gladiator, as a, as a gladiator and as a warrior, oh. but he was part of the Roman Legion. Oh. So, I don't know where he got Take the title. It back, edit it out in post. But no, I think I think you might be right. I just don't, I don't remember the specific circumstances. Mm-hmm. They just but keep he, calling him the Spaniard, so I thought... Yeah, he got that title Spain? in there, and it's like the... But yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe. It's been years since I've watched it. I really enjoy it, but... You know, there's too much stuff to watch. There is so many wonderful things to watch. Uh-huh. I'm behind on roughly everything. Uh, me too. Me too. I still need to finish uh, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, but The Umbrella Academy. My gosh, this went from Disney to Netflix right quick. But The Umbrella Academy, you need to watch that. I do it need to check so that out. Good. I keep hearing good stuff. acting, cinematography, writing. <sighs> it just works. It combines everything you love. X-Men and time travel. I'm into it. Yeah. So just watch X-Men Days of Future Past. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the one, the, I was surprised they're still going through with the sequel because X-Men Apocalypse was so disliked, but they're doing... Uh, the Dark X- Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, Dark, uh, yeah, Dark Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Dark Phoenix. I've seen the trailer and it looks okay. That's the thing. Like At first I was thinking it's like, ah, this would be spicy and good. Like That's the hope because um, as far as I understand it, the, I got a little bit of it from X2 when it came to like the beginnings of like the Phoenix character. Um, this is going years ago, mm-hmm. and I've always heard that like the the Phoenix plotline is an iconic plotline within the X Men comics. Like it's one of their like I'm not even a comic flagship nerd, and like it's iconic in comic dumb. Yeah, you know it's I mean? like that's a huge thing. And as far as I can tell, no one's ever really done it right. No, um, not tried. on the film side. Remember X Three, the oh. last stand. It, it was a it was a terrible time in the mid two thousands where anyone who tried to make a superhero threequel. X-Men 3, The Last Stand, um, Spider-Man 3, starring Tobey Maguire, with the amazing, amazing Bee Gees sequence where he's working. Oh, God. Anyone uh, who defends that, <laughs> fuck off. Anyone who does. You yeah. know who you are. <laughs> you know. Sam Raimi was just like, oh, you know what? Spider-Man 2 was so good. Oh, man. These laurels. Oh, man. I'm just going to lay my head right here. And I'm just going to, like, sleep for a little while. Oh, but I have to direct the third one? Toby, do whatever you want. Yeah. And, I don't even care. Yeah. Uh, oh, Topher Grace from that 70s show. Let's bring you in. Um, hey, you, Thomas Hayden Church. You want to be a Sandman? What was the word? What was the... It's like, I can't remember the exact quote. 
But there's a scene where Brock, uh, let's say Lesnar, who's a wrestler, mm-hmm. um, but the Bro- Brock Turner, anyways, but his character Brock, um, who would ultimately be the, the Venom character, um, that he's in a church and he's praying for Jesus to kill Peter Parker. <laughs> it's like, it's either kill Peter Parker or Spider-Man. But he's, him. but he's praying to Jesus to kill a person. Like, you're pretty off, man. You, you've never done that? That's like Crusades level off. <laughs> <laughs> My Jesus is a vengeful one. It's like, you're, what? What? <laughs> but, but anyways, that, yeah, so. Maybe that was just a storytelling device to illustrate how crazy he is. Oh, I'm sure. And it's yeah. like, that was the thing where, you know, the, the message for that is like, oh, clearly this is an unsympathetic character. Like, he's mm-hmm. completely lost it. He's ready to be a villain. Um, but it's all, but it just comes off. It doesn't, for me, it didn't come off as a thing of like, oh my gosh, this dark moment is just like, what a comedically stupid thing to say. Yes. And, and I understand in watching like the Spider-Man one, like that is a movie that does a great job of bouncing wildly between comedy and seriousness. Yes. Like the, it really does. Like the Norman Osborn character and the, with the Green Goblin iconically ridiculous and insane and it's like and that's a hard that is a hard wire to walk on Mm -hmm. it really is um it helps when you have someone as amazing as Willem Dafoe who is can be so sinister yet so funny and that face when he brings out the crazy like the and his laugh the crazy like that like what is happening (laughs) yes especially the scenes where it's uh cut to look like he's talking to himself the mirror actually talking to him i i saw an interview that he was talking about how when they i don't know why they would cut it when they when they did but when they originally shot that 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 scene it was one shot Wow. They did the entire mirror scene in one take, and he talked about how cool it was that you were, it's like how fun it was essentially like dancing with the camera, Uh because you always had to be at the correct angle, so you would never, the camera could see him correctly in the mirror without ever revealing itself or coming off awkward. Yeah. But it was done as one shot, but then later for when they put it out, there were multiple cuts in it. Like, no! Uh You, if you do a single shot take, you do it, man! It's like, why go through all that work? Especially when it's gonna be so cool. Yeah, it's like, and that is such a, I remember loving that scene as a kid, because it's just so crazy. Like, it's pure, pure crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's one where it's like, doing that right is hard to do. Doing that in an entertaining way is hard to do. And I think that's what they wanted to do for, um, with, uh, the thing in the third movie, with Tobey Maguire, like, with the dark hair and the slicked forward and all that stuff. But it's like, there was nothing intimidating about that character, and there's nothing, like, sinister about it. And they're trying to go, it's like, the oh, like, he's just, you know, like, crazy and weird. It just, it came off as really stupid. It wasn't like, oh, this is really funny. It came off as really stupid. Yeah. Because there's a few things that were that are less entertaining than a joke that doesn't land. Exactly. Well, you know, Hot Topic was really big in 2007, so... And even that they did wrong. <laughs> like, they, it's like, you know, go to a Hot Topic. Ask one of those people how to dress him. It would have been better. I'll just put the bangs in his face. He'll be fine. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, yeah. I need a little eyeliner. <laughs> and give it one thing, it was memorable. It was. We so, still talk about it to this day. Yeah. So are car accidents, but still memorable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we still don't talk about that car accident. You mean Spider-Man 3? Yes. yes. <laughs> it's like, you know what I would like to have? What, director? Every villain ever. (laughs) 
Oh, and while we're at it, let's add a new love interest for Peter Parker as well. Oh, Gwen Stacy. You know, actually, Bryce Dallas Howard has gone on to do some good stuff. That's I, I always forget that that was her. I know. That's so crazy. Aww. Well, it's like singing, uh, thinking of Brie Larson was in... Um, Oh, uh... Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah. Like, that was when I saw him, like, oh my gosh! Yeah, she's been working as a kid forever. Is she that was, right? Yeah, she was one of the six chicks on 13 Going on 30. Oh, that's so funny. So tiny. So, I had no idea. Yeah, and then uh, she was on a really cool show with uh, Tony Collette called uh, The United States of Terra, and she played the daughter, and that's where I initially fell in love with her. She was so good at playing you know, angsty teen to a mom that had multiple personalities. Oh, yeah. And she was just so good. But then, three years ago, when you and I saw the Best Picture Showcase... Saw Room. Saw Room. So crazy. Man. So intense. She was sensational. Yeah, her performance was amazing. Yeah. And thusly, Oscar Gold. Yes, agreed. Um, not saying Oscars get it right every time, but sometimes they do. Agreed. Uh, but... Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, you should go see it, it's so good. Being as big of a, and I, I will, being as big of a fan of the Oscars as you are, the should we t- talk about the Oscars a little bit? Obviously this is a little bit old news. It is old news. Just, I love the Oscars. Every year uh, since, hmm, I think 2011 or 2012, it was 2012 because all the nominees were from 2011, 2012... Uh, again, Kendra, uh, our friend who is awesome, uh, she and I have hosted a Oscar, Oscar party, not a Oscar party, Oscar party is something completely different, um, but we've hosted an Oscar party. We all dress as Oscar the Grouch, go on. Oscar the Grouch, get out of my camp! Uh, <laughs> but we've hosted an Oscar party where we make, uh, food for every one of the Best Picture nominees. So it started out super simple. Like for the first year, I remember War Horse was nominated. So uh, what do horses like to eat? Carrots. <laughs> and, uh, and the Tree of Life was nominated. What looks like a tree? Broccoli. Broccoli. I wasn't even there. I was... <laughs> uh, so I made a veggie tray for War Horse <laughs> and the Tree of Life with ranch dipping sauce. Mm. Again. It was our first foray into it. it was, you gotta start somewhere. Yeah, The Life of Pi was also nominated, so I made a mango pie, and I cut out mango to be like the pie symbol on top of pie. How was that, by the way? It was actually pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love cooking, and I love baking. Yeah, it's a very skilled baker. That was... That was... Because um, does mango lend itself to a pie? No. And I actually <laughs> had to mix gelatin into it. Oh, so no. So it would set up like a mango jelly, and it never quite solidified. Oh, God. I mean, it was it was. So good. it's basically a crusted it, jello. It was a crusted Oh, that's a gross statement. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, But things have gotten so much better. This year was probably the best one we've had. And um, some of the highlights were for a Black Klansman. It was in the 70s. And so what's more 70s than a casserole? So I'd uh, never had tuna casserole before. It really is quite delicious when well done. Oh, it is. And when you hear tuna casserole, you're like, ugh, but it tastes like home. It was so good. We had it Um, for lunches the next two days in a row. Yeah. So good. Uh, a Dark Horse winner that was so good that I was just like, okay, we're just going to make this um, for Black Panther. We actually found this tasty video of uh, a woman going, this is probably 
what you would eat in Wakanda, even though Wakanda is a made-up African nation. Um, she said this is probably what you would have, and we made this amazing Wakandan lamb stew with rice pilaf. And, like, so the rice wasn't just, like, rice pilaf. It had things like cardamom and uh, allspice, cinnamon, like, all of these amazing warm, earthy spices that were so good. It was really, it was delicious. It was super good. it was so good. We do that every year. We uh, do an Oscar ballot. Um, We've gotten better about actually printing them out. Some years we just keep track with our minds. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I do really well those years. Yeah. Oh, absolute Joseph. He's just, he's currently, what, what you heard there, that little bit of, that little, little bit of saltiness in mm-hmm. that last tone, was this, this year, because we always do our guesses of, of who, uh, who will win, and usually Philip dominates. He didn't dominate this year. I didn't. I lost by two. Thanks a lot, Olivia Coleman. You were amazing, but I didn't think you were going to win. I will say I didn't guess Olivia Coleman. I yeah, figured I guessed the, Glenn Close. I figured it's going to be Glenn Close. Yeah, but, you know... Olivia Coleman deserves it. Olivia Coleman hella deserves she it. She deserves everything. This is a plug for The Favorite. Not being paid, not sponsored, but holy cow. If you haven't seen The Favorite... It's a crazy movie. Um, the ending is crazy, but the act stay for the acting. Yeah, no, that movie is genuinely... It's really entertaining, way more funny than you'd expect. Um, and yeah, the, the ending is... Um, they kind of... I would say that's like 95% of an amazing movie. And the last five... I mean, maybe even like a bigger chunk taken out of it, but messing up an end to something and they don't like destroy it end wise it's just weird you'd have to see it to to really know what i'm talking about but i will say i'm not worried about giving that level of spoiler because the fact is how many of you who are listening to this are going to be like you know what i'm gonna watch the favorite today (laughs) no one is no one because you're gonna watch the office for the 15th time it's like do you know who's gonna watch the favorite again uh the number of people that will now watch the favorite uh, it will be Olivia Coleman, thirty years from now, and she'll be like, "Look what I won that trophy on." <laughs> Her speech was amazing, it was, though. It was so good. Her speech at the Oscars—I've been watching the Oscars for a long time, and even pre-Oscar party, I would watch it by myself alone <laughs> because no one liked the Oscars like me. But I forced my friends to like it. We like the Oscars uh, now. I know that's what I'm saying. But her speech, probably top three speeches I've ever watched on the Oscars. So good. Anyone. Like, and it was so funny and endearing. It was like if a regular person won an Oscar. Just, just so flabbergasted to just be up there. And I love the part. She was trying to thank all the women in her category, but it just came off as she was like the biggest fan of Lady Gaga, where she just, she finished saying thank you, and then she's just like, Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had the same reaction. And it's like because you're just standing there on. A, it's like the on this the stage, and you're looking down. It's like that's Lady Gaga, <laughs> and I'm just a regular person. <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. Also, Lady Gaga, Oscar winner. Yeah, she's Grammy an Oscar winner, winner. Oscar winner. Now she just needs that tone tone. She'll get one and at some needs, point. Oh, she doesn't have an Emmy. She has a Golden Globe. Okay. But odds are she'll do something again with Ryan Murphy in a miniseries and get something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she'll play Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Oscar, what do you have in that garbage can underneath you? Uh, just Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> Steaming pile of trash. Oh, that's the thing I was going to mention. Just touch on real quick. Definitely we're bouncing around. Bird walking. 
uh, as Philip will often say. The so, anyways, John Wick is a good version of that movie because you have all of that. You have the secret world of powerful killers. Um, it's intense. It's extremely stylistic. Um, the nonlinear timing. Yeah, the, yeah, and it's like, and, it, and it's so satisfying. But the other thing to it too is like they have those interesting rules in place. So like in this one, and it's just an excuse to have the uh, main character and the villain talk. It's just that's the only reason they do this in film and in stories. It's just so you can have those interesting dynamics where people would normally just kill each other. So in Highlander, no one ever will, uh, will fight on holy ground. Everyone respects that. No explanation as to why, by the way. <laughs> like there's a guy who goes in for Highlander and he's just like super disrespectful in the place. He's like putting out candles at a Catholic church. He's like sexually harassing nuns. He licks a priest's hand. Yeah, super weird. Um, the but anyways, so they don't they don't do anything on holy ground in John Wick. There are certain spaces where this like th- this there's certain places where assassins will not harm each other. If you're in the Continental, which is their like hotel, their like key organization, if you're there or at one of the Continentals that exist throughout the world, if you're on the grounds, no one harms each other. Period. True. Yeah, and it's like so. If you want to see Highlander, but cool and well done, and modern with modern weapons and modern filming, and really people who want to make a good film and also can, yes, uh, watch John Wick. Yeah, we watched John Wick in Denver. Like that's right. Yeah. It was just, we were waiting for a plane, and we had time to kill between uh, checking out from the hotel and from uh, boarding, and hey, I saw a commercial for John Wick, you, you want to check it out? Yeah, sure, sounds cool. Watched it, mind blown. So good. It's so, when a movie is tight, like, when everything fits so perfectly together, the storytelling is so just... <laughs> It knows exactly what it is, exactly what it's good at, and it just gets right to the point. Mm-hmm. Like this, it, it was a perfectly executed film. I can't imagine the people who made it had any other intention than exactly what came out. Like it was yes. that well done. Uh huh, one hundred percent. The second one is fun, not as good as the first, but the first one, oh, first John Wick, oh, Keanu Reeves. Also, I'll have what he's having. He hasn't aged since nineteen ninety five. Yeah, he's what fifty something. Yeah, fifty two. My gosh, she looks amazing. I know. And with that beard. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So much content. (laughs) Not that kind of podcast, guys. I mean, but what do you want, though? Uh, Yeah, really. But, like, what do you want, though? I mean, we can do anything. We can do anything. We will give. We are giving performers. That's right. If, uh, for, for the price of attention, um, <laughs> small price to pay. Really. It really, yeah. It's like, it's not, it's not a big deal. It's no, I mean, but to us, Give it's me everything. Applause. Yeah. Tell me. Just tell me. It is one of those, like, cause that's the song, the Lady Gaga song isn't amazing. Like it's a solid Lady Gaga song, but applause. But as a person who likes a stage, that <laughs> song, like Philip to this day, every, depending on what happens, like an excuse for like some behavior that we had or like taking, doing a show we weren't expecting or something like that. He'll just be like, for the applause, applause, applause. <laughs> oh, always. Well, and what's funny is when that song came out, I was like, God, this is trash. Mm, this same. is garbage. And then I was like, no, I identify with this so hard on a performing level. Yeah. Because, because as performers, not only applause, but just one, ha, 
that validates you. It can be so it's, powerful. It's lifeblood. It's basically good unicorn blood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for those Harry Potter fans out there, um, it sustains you. It gives you life. <laughs> but a curse life. You must always have laughter. Voldemort is just the ultimate metaphor for being an artist. <laughs> yeah. At, at some point, some kid's going to come around and kill you. <laughs> All he wanted was the laughs. Oh. What would you consider... You, Titanic is your favorite film, right? Titanic is my favorite movie. Tell me I, what you love about Titanic. Titanic, it encapsulates everything I love. Bombast, romance, Kate Winslet, Yes. effects, uh, destruction. What's funny is, yes, I love the romance. I love it. But I also love, like, seeing all the water destroy things. I know that sounds terrible. His favorite moment is when <laughs> that, uh, that, that nice man who's only ever tried to survive has an entire smokestack just fall on him. Oh, poor Fabrizio. <laughs> that's like a punchline, that moment. Like, that's a thing where it's just like... Like, the, that, that guy didn't deserve that, but I guess that's the point of the film. Yeah. The, the frozen everyone in it didn't yeah. deserve it. What's funny is, like, I would take my sister's Barbies, and I would put them on top of a giant Tupperware lid, mm-hmm. and I would set them up in this, like, beautiful little scene, and, like, I would set up, like, dishes on their, like, little rack, and, like, I would put, like, all their shoes all lined up, and then I would pick up one side of the Tupperware lid. Oh my gosh. And I would lift it up slowly. <laughs> so it was like Titanic and everything kept sliding so down. So you could start to feel the fear and the pain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what possessed me. When I first watched Titanic, I got scared and my mom took me out of the theater. My dad's friend had said, yeah, it's okay for kids. No, it wasn't. Dad's friend was a jackass. Yeah, I was eight years old. That's an intense movie. It's a super intense movie. And then I saw boobs. Oh, yeah. Not that it affected me in any way. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, Titanic is my favorite movie. I watch it at least once a year. If it is on TV, I will stop and watch it, even if it's with commercials, even though I have the DVD sitting on my shelf there was one funny moment i'll say because it's the i think it's watching from like the it might have been cinema sense or something like that the where they they can do some funny stuff out there and they pointed out and i'd never realized this watching it because i always liked the movie it's a good movie in fact most people like it we know that because it made over a billion dollars without being 3d surcharged yeah it's insane the like james cameron he just prints his own money (laughs) um but anyways the they pointed out how constantly they say Jack Rose Rose, Rose Jack, Jack, Jack 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 Rose Jack. Rose Rose Jack Jack Rose 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 in the two in the three hour running time I want to say that CinemaSins counted Jack and Rose the names being said bare minimum one hundred and fifty times I think so it was it genuinely was crazy and when they pointed out it's one of those things like the you can't unhear it it's that glass shattering moment yes. where it's like oh my gosh <laughs> this is this is. <laughs> yeah, is is your favorite film Count of Monte Cristo? Uh, yes, not yeah. the classic. I've actually never seen a classic. Um, but yeah, the uh, the, the little scene two thousand three version. That's uh, it did okay. Didn't it, it did okay. Yeah, people talk about it all the time. I didn't say they talked about it. Those are those are two different things. I did not claim that they talk about it. But yeah, uh, it, it, Count, it did all right. Count of Monte Cristo. I was obsessed with that when I was younger. I still adore. You would it. go to sleep to it. I would. Yeah, I can still. I can still think of the the, the DVD music that would be going on in the background <laughs> when it was over. Um, did like, you wake up and like the menu was still going? Yeah. Oh. I'd fall, and it's like the I wa- often watch it all the way through and then fall asleep to the menu. 
Hilarious. Like I watched that movie. I, I honestly don't know how many times I've watched it. So many times. That's so cool. The it's I I adore that movie. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, because I'm terrible about reading, I keep like getting into the book and like ah, oh, this is really good. And then it once I set a book down, if I don't pick it up the next day, I will not pick it up for over a year. It becomes an elegant doorstop. Exactly, and that is not an exaggeration. I did not finish American Gods until I want to say. Nine years after I started it. And Holy shit. It was so long that I had to start it over again. And what's funny is, in reading it again, because there's certain quotes that I always liked from it, and there's this one in particular that they mentioned. What is it? It's like the... It was asking like how old a character was. In fact, I thought the quote was from a different one of Neil Gaiman's works, but it turned out it was from American Gods, and they're asking someone like how old they were. And they said something along the lines of like the... Um, as old as my tongue, but a little older than my teeth. Um, mm. which is technically true. Yeah. Um, but it's something like that. Basically, in, essentially someone in a very weird, semi-gross way, ducking out on that. I remember that line just being very, like, in my head when I was younger. And then wa- uh, reading it again, I was like 85% through the book. It was like way later that this quote happened. It's just like, why didn't I finish it? But it's ridiculous. My eyes are tired. I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten better about audiobooks, though. That's helped. I have gotten better about audiobooks as well. A commute will do that. I, yes. And after discovering them for my commute, that's all I want to do. I love music. Music is lifeblood. But it's so repetitive. It is. And even if it's a song you love, it lasts for four minutes. Exactly, yeah. That's all. And then if you play it again, if you do that straight for an hour, you're not that into that song anymore. Exactly. I do find new songs, though, and I love them, and I play it till my ears bleed. I did did do that with um, Look What You Made Me Do. I I played that on repeat for a minimum 30 minutes. Yeah. I was into it. The latest uh, Taylor Swift album, you guys can say what you want. It was the most profitable American tour in history. Yes. Um, like the, you can say a lot of negative thing, a lot of negative things about it. You may not like Taylor Swift as a person, but her music bangs. Her music bangs, and that woman knows how to put on a show. Oh my god! That woman, forty foot tall snakes. It was madness. Yeah, actually, the one on the front stage was sixty five feet tall. Jeez, sixty five. She would literally say, it's like every time for one of the, the songs that she would do, um, they say I did something bad, fireworks and flamethrowers would go off. Yep. Every time throughout a song. She doesn't say it once. She <laughs> says it many times. Like, the spectacle of that show was amazing. Because uh, Philip is actually the, the weekend that my wife was going on her bachelorette party. At that time, fiance. <laughs> um, but she's going on her bachelorette party, and Philip's like, "Hey, do you want to go to a Taylor Swift concert with me?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah. Um, I had no real like investment to it. It's like that sounds cool. I like this, you know. Look what you made me do. A uh, song recently. I'm, I, let's go for it. Um, and after watching that spectacle, after watching just her amazing performance, the way she can work a crowd, I fell in love with that album. Yes. It's also, that album is more to my taste. It's I like a little darker. bit. It's darker and it's a little harder. I like that kind of stuff. Like one of the first bands I ever fell in love with was Metallica. Yeah. I also love jazz. My music kind of wanders around. Eclectic. It's pretty eclectic. Um, but the, my favorite genre is jazz. Um, but yeah, anyways, the, I, I just absolutely loved it. So good. Yeah, me too. That was just a, an awesome adventure. We got there super early. <laughs> That's yeah. And the show wasn't until 7, and we got there at 3. And we're like, what can we do? So we, we found parking so for we, $50. Yeah, so we went to the local movie theater, um, The which is, it was the one that we go to the showcase to, right? Yeah, the best picture showcase for the Oscars every year. Yeah, so it's in that same area in Santa Clara, and we went and watched the Isle of Dogs. Yeah. Pretty good movie. 
It was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was a good uh, time uh, user, mm-hmm. uh, time waster, time killer. Good use of time. Oh. Time killer. Thank time you. Killer. No. Got there eventually. Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. Yeah. Best friends. And Joseph. <laughs> oh, actually, uh, our friend Sean, one time Joe and I were at a party, and we were just sitting next to each other, and I think at the time we may have been silently judging people. I don't know. <laughs> we, we were would, doing something. We wouldn't do that. We would never do that. Never. But our friend Sean is whispering to another friend. Was it Aaron? I think it was Aaron. It was Aaron, It was Aaron. It was Aaron. Yeah. And... We just look over and we're like, what are you guys talking about? And then Sean goes, Philip and... We're just watching the Philip and Joe show. <laughs> That's right. And yes. so it, it was <laughs> Philip and Joe, Philip and Joe, the Philip and Joe show. Oh, yeah. And then uh, it's just good stuff. Uh, never a dull moment. Agreed. Never a dull moment. Uh, Joe and I have said that if we were ever in an elevator and it just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, tension rope snapped. Yeah. The cable snapped. Uh, as it was falling, we would just turn to each other, going down? Yes, but I'm in a hurry! <laughs> <laughs> just the thing like, yeah, we just tend to roll with what's going on. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong. There's going to be lots of screaming, but the joke is going to make it there before pancakes. And it's, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, we have that... <laughs> We have seconds to live. We make that joke. We're laughing. And everyone else in the elevator is scowling at us. <laughs> <laughs> they actually go from screaming to just looking at us like, like Yeah. <laughs> hey, asshole. We're going to die. <laughs> yes, but I lived. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> he died the way he lived. A wonderful idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. There's one point where the it's like I forget what happened, but I was in the car with my parents. This is years ago, and the, we all just like lost it after. It's like as we're going, like the essentially like took a wrong turn. There was weird construction stuff. We're actually I think on our way to Disneyland, and the um, the my dad like made some kind of joke about like we're about to get hit by a car or something like that. And the in reference to him, it's like he died the way he lived, embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh, oh my gosh. If you were a food, what would you be and why? Ooh, if I was a food. My favorite food is strawberry. Strawberry, because strawberry. That is correct. Yeah. The That was always the original choice and the justification. And I shall stay with it. Yeah. Firm, but sweet. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> I would be a... Strawberry. I would probably be a, a double cheeseburger, because I'm extra beefy, extra cheesy. And all the condiments are just awesome. Have you ever eaten a cheeseburger and gone, man, that sucked? That's a good question. Have I ever had a bad cheeseburger? I've had a mediocre cheeseburger. I have had ones that are like, Ugh. But I've never had like a, God, that was awful. Yeah. Although it's not, it doesn't have the, the same safety level as, say, pizza. That's true. Pizza's real hard to screw up. Yeah, if you screw up pizza, like even cafeterias get pizza okay. Yeah. You know those giant like rectangular sheet pizzas? Yeah, horse cheese, enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I work at a school and sometimes I'm like, this horse cheese is not bad. (laughs) Uh, Especially with those like little lardons of pepperoni. (laughs) My culinary skills, the little Mm. lardon. It's a little cube of pepperoni instead of of the flats circles. Ah, yes. I could think of Lardone, but I couldn't think of the <laughs> circles. <laughs> uh, 
should close friends in a larger group of friends, or just friends in general, date each other? I think it depends on the friends. Oh, definitely. Ooh, do you want to be also a fun one to approach? Huh. And this may be controversial. Ooh, controversial. Do you think that you can still be friends after breaking up? The answer is a big fat no. Yeah, I'm a hard no. A hard no. You're an ex for a reason. Yeah. It's like, if you were nice, we'd still be together. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and you know, to those of you that can make it work, great. I will say, kudos you to have that. the best personality in the entire world. I'll also, I will give it an, an, an additional exception. When it comes to um, divorces kids. and you have kids. Yes. That's one. It's like maintaining that. It's like maintaining a loose friendship to allow for like the betterment of your child. Nothing but respect. And that's a situation where like you're kind of you're put in that situation because of your love for your shared child. Yes. I can totally see that. But a genuine friendship that just would exist on its own. And it's like, oh, we were more intimate than ever. And we interlocked completely. And we fell in love with each other and shared every secret. But you weren't enough for me. So let's hang out. <laughs> like how does that work tears. yeah it can only lead to tears on both sides yeah unless one is just a user uh and it's one of those things where i've seen people try i've seen i think every relationship tries i've never really seen it work i've heard about it working but i because part of me if it's something where like two friends the like hook up over a weekend and then afterwards they're like this cannot happen and they break it from there that's not what i'm talking about no that's one where it's like okay that's essentially you were about to have a relationship and you stopped it before it could really start yes um and it was like oh no this is this is a, this is a garbage fire yes. um or, or it's about to be but for those things where it's like you're together for like years uh-huh. and then you're gonna act like all of that stuff didn't happen yeah. I fundamentally do not understand it. Me neither. And it depends on your friend, and it depends on the friend group. Meaning, your friend group should have no bearing on your relationship. What Agreed. I'm saying is, is the way that it affects everything and everyone of like, uh, putting up air quotes, choosing sides. And it's one of those things where when you become so intertwined as a couple, and then all of a sudden you break up, odds are you're not going to want to see each other. So it's like, hey, let's hang out. Oh, but I'm, I'm hanging out with Brad that night. Oh, said Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, which, which friend gets to be scheduler? Yeah. Like, which one has to go through that of like, oh, no. Now Terry's supposed to come over that day. It's like, yeah. we're going to play checkers. <laughs> going to play checkers with Terry? It's, it's, that's not, leave it alone. Are, are you fucking Terry? <laughs> 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 you broke up years ago. <laughs> He's mine. Broke out broken. Uh, if it's just two friends, don't shit where you eat. That's also one. I tend to think, like, if you, because if you bring in a new person into your group, there's a lot of safety in that. Because, one, if it works out, awesome. They get new friends, everything connects, everything works. Like, that's wonderful. If it doesn't work, it's fine. They yeah. leave and they're like, it was good. Your friends were fine. Bye. Yes. Like, it's, it's done. Um, but yeah, dating someone in, it's like inside your group, like, it's not to suggest that you shouldn't go for a person who you feel for and who, when you look at that, you think it's like, no, no, this could work. There's lots of exceptions. Exactly. But understand what you're getting into and understand the risk of it. Because yeah. 
when you go for that, and especially right before, like when you're in the aspect, uh, the when you're at the point of falling in love, you can think everything is worth it. So you wouldn't listen to advice anyways. <laughs> um, but it's like just understand what you're risking when you fall yes. for someone. But one of my best friends. When you fall for a friend. Yeah, one of my best friends got together with a friend in her friend group and now they have a lovely daughter together and they're the, like, the strongest couple I know. Yeah, and that's such great. I mean, uh, Sam, and Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. One of the cats. Oh, God. <laughs> Terrible cat sound. Okay, it was passable. Uh... Meow. <laughs> Meow. Don't be mean to me. Meow. <laughs> Meow. Uh, how do you take constructive criticism? Very well. Meow. Are you doing cat ASMR? Meow. Now he's going to bring a ball of yarn up to the microphone. (laughs) That's the sound for yarn now. (laughs) Just go to like a granny convention. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's trying to nip, but the yarn's making that weird sound. Why does it sound like ghosts are whispering? <laughs> oh, this is a. Uh, so I guess I came late. <laughs> oh, poor Granny's. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't judge. Hey, if they got a weird, like, uh, crocheting theme death pact, that's on them. Hey, whatever they're using those crocheting needles for. Uh uh. Cicero. <laughs> Lipshits. <laughs> we had it coming. We had, we had it. it coming. I don't have the rights. Oh, okay. <laughs> so much content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what a charming podcast. Well, sadly, it's come to an end. I hope you enjoyed it and that you have a wonderful night. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.